The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, February 22nd. In today's news, a new election is called in North Carolina. That Coast Guard lieutenant charged with plotting a domestic terror attack was caught because of searches he did on his government computer. And Roger Stone gets a full gag order. But first, the big idea. A federal judge in Florida ruled yesterday that a 2007 plea deal federal prosecutors reached with Jeffrey Epstein violated the law. Epstein was a politically connected billionaire accused of molesting dozens of young girls. The federal prosecutor who reached the deal was Alexander Acosta, then a U.S. attorney and now President Trump's labor secretary. The ruling from the judge is a stinging rebuke for Acosta and how his team of prosecutors behaved in a grim, high-profile case that has drawn increased scrutiny in recent months. A Miami Herald investigation late last year highlighted Acosta's role in cutting an agreement with Epstein, which blocked federal prosecution in exchange for him pleading guilty to a relatively lenient state charge. A Justice Department office has said it is exploring whether the federal prosecutors who reached the deal, including Acosta, committed, quote, professional misconduct. District Judge Kenneth Mara was blunt, ruling that prosecutors acted improperly in reaching the agreement without telling the victims. Mara, who is based in West Palm Beach, wrote in a 33-page ruling that the actions violated the Crime Victims' Rights Act, which entitles victims to know about significant events in their cases. Judge Mara wrote that he was not ruling that the decision not to prosecute was improper, but that he was simply ruling that under the facts of this case, there was a violation of the victims' rights. Prosecutors didn't give victims a chance to affect prosecutorial decisions and didn't accurately tell them about what was happening, the judge said. In fact, the judge ruled that prosecutors sought to conceal the existence of the deal that was cut with Epstein and that they even misled the victims to believe that federal prosecution was still a possibility even after the plea deal was reached. Acosta's spokesperson at the Labor Department pointed to the Justice Department's longstanding defense of how prosecutors behaved in the case and noted that Acosta's deal was approved by his bosses in Washington and followed proper DOJ procedures. Citing active litigation around the case, the Labor Department then referred any additional questions to the Justice Department. The U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of Florida, which Acosta led between 2005 and 2009, declined to comment. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a North Carolina board ordered a new election must be held in the 9th Congressional District after a months-long investigation into alleged ballot tampering. The board voted unanimously to throw out the November results between Republican Mark Harris and Democrat Dan McGreedy after Harris, an evangelical minister from Charlotte, admitted under oath that he was, quote, mistaken in his earlier sworn testimony. Harris blamed the error on a recent sepsis infection that he said caused two strokes and affected his memory. Harris has been under scrutiny for hiring a political operative, Leslie Dallas, who allegedly assembled a crew of election workers to illegally collect, fill out, and forge mail-in ballots in two rural counties ahead of the November election. 
Thursday's abrupt bipartisan conclusion to what had been a deeply rancorous process offered hope to some who believe the kind of fraud alleged in the 9th District often goes undetected and unprosecuted, leaving rural and often impoverished communities without fair elections or representation. The board will set a date for a new election soon, probably including primaries. McGreedy, the Democrat, has been preparing for a new election and will run again. It appears less likely that Harris, who had an unofficial lead of 905 votes, will do so. Number two, Coast Guard Lieutenant Christopher Hassan, who was allegedly plotting a domestic terror attack, was caught after he conducted suspicious searches using government computers to study the manifestos and methods of other mass shooters. It emerged yesterday that he was arrested at work on Friday after being detected by an internal Coast Guard program that looks out for any insider threat. The program identified suspicious computer activity tied to Hassan, prompting the agency's investigative service to look into him last fall, a spokesman for the Coast Guard said. Prosecutors say he researched how to carry out sniper attacks and whether rifle scopes were legal. As he built an arsenal, they contend, he also read manifestos by the Unabomber, the Virginia Tech shooter, and the Olympic Park bomber, among other domestic mass shooters. He also looked for guidance to the plot of right-wing terrorist Anders Behring Brevlik, who killed 77 people in Norway in 2011. All the while, investigators say, he was amassing a cache of weapons. The 49-year-old lieutenant, with more than two decades in the Coast Guard, was part of a project to replace some aging cutters in the fleet tasks that regularly required interacting with civilians and military officials at meetings and on travel. He had a secret-level clearance. His federal public defender says there was no actual indication of any plan. She said he had no prior record and that the number of weapons he had collected was modest at best compared to an average gun collector. She added, quote, It's not a crime to think negative thoughts. It's not a crime to think about doomsday scenarios. But with Hassan in court, prosecutors called him a domestic terrorist who intended to murder innocent civilians. The judge gave the government 14 days to bring additional terrorism-related charges before Hassan's lawyer could file an appeal for his possible release pending trial. Number three, a federal judge in Washington ordered that longtime Trump confidant Roger Stone may no longer speak publicly about the case against him. Judge Amy Berman Jackson said it would be foolhardy to wait for Stone to transgress again in the wake of an Instagram post from earlier this week that appeared to show her photo near crosshairs. If he violates the order in any way, she warned, he will go to jail. The judge, who sounded flabbergasted by Stone's explanations, rejected his claim that the image was not meant to be threatening. She said there's nothing ambiguous about crosshairs. The judge grilled Stone on how he found the image and why he posted it. He responded on the stand with inconsistent answers saying first that it was posted by a volunteer, and then later that a volunteer sent him the image, but he posted it himself. He said he can't remember who gave him the picture or the names of everyone who has access to his cell phone. Jackson also repeatedly asked Stone why, if he immediately regretted the posting as he said he did, he went on to defend it in several media interviews. Stone said the apology that he issued earlier in the week was drafted by his attorneys and that he signed it during a doctor's appointment without reading it carefully. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, February 22nd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. Have a safe weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.